Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect. And you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. In this episode, we're thrilled to have Erica Rothenberger, a leader challenging norms in the corporate world. As a director of performance systems at Henkels & McCoy, Erica thrives in a male-dominated industry, trading heels for steel-toed boots and hard hats. Erica's influence reaches far beyond her career. She's founded empowerment networks, contributed to charities, served on boards, and is a driving force in mentoring and lifting fellow women. Erica's not only accomplished academically, she's also a published author of You've Got This Boss Mama, podcast host of Grit, Grace, and Glitz, and an inspiring keynote speaker. Awards like Crew Top 20 Under 40 and Rebuilding Together Volunteer of the Year highlights Erica's excellence alongside her advocacy for assault and domestic violence awareness. Join us as we dive in right now into Erica's journey from her professional accomplishments to her personal triumph over adversity. Erica, welcome to the podcast. Oh my goodness, Jillian. I am so excited to be here with you. I mean, you are just such a role model for so many of us. Oh my goodness, you're so sweet. And I feel the same way about you. And I have to say that learning about you and connecting over the phone a few weeks ago has been so fun, but I also feel like we have a lot in common. We're kind of passionate about life. We're go-getters, but it can be a lot sometimes between family, career, mentoring, writing, podcasting. So I kind of want to know, like, can you share your journey of how you found your passion into what you do now? Because you do a lot. And how did how did this all unfold? <laughs> I love that question. And it is, it's a lot, like, it's like Pandora's box, right? Like, how, how do I open this box? Um, and what I say is that when you're really following, you're pursuing your passions and your purposes, and you really, it's okay to have a lot of them, right? Like, I think some people say, in my opinion, have one and do it really well and really hard. Well, one of my bosses once said to me, don't have all your eggs in one basket, right? And sometimes when you have your eggs in one basket, you make it, you worry so much about that thing. And if that thing God forbid, fails or doesn't work, or maybe there's a downside to the market, right? Like having different things of, you know, diversity, um, not only for yourself personally, but financially. And so my philosophy always, always been like, listen, if it aligns with my purpose and passion and they weave together, which so many of the things do that I do, then do it, right? Like don't overwhelm yourself, but do it. So I'll tell you, you know, Grew up in Plymouth, Massachusetts, where the good old pilgrims landed in 1620, went to school at Villanova, got my degree in civil engineering, you know, checked that box and was like, okay, now what do I do? You know, male-dominated space. Someone said, why don't you get involved with construction? I said, construction? Well, long story short, that's where I ended up. Hard hats, toe boots, climbing the corporate ladder, now having a seat, you know, at a board table and being able to make, you know, big decisions and, you know, strategic alignments. But along the way, what I've recognized is some of the passions that grew out of that career path, especially at the beginning, were women empowerment, right? I was in a really male-dominated world. And so hence, I started two women empowerment groups. The second thing that happened is I 
found out I was pregnant and I realized like being a mom and trying to do all these things isn't easy. And there's a, there's no such thing as perfect balance, but you have to learn that like, Hey, listen, you can do both. And that's really where that book, you've got this boss mom, like came out of, of being a boss of your own destiny, not necessarily being a bossy mom, although it can be, but more so being, being able to be strategic of, Hey, listen, your kids are watching what you're doing. They're a reflection of what you do when they see you passionate and they see you excited and they see you driven and they see you hungry for new opportunities. Essentially you hope that that baton is going to be passed on to them. Or at least I hope that, you know, I see that with my own, my own children. I also have always had a passion throughout my entire life for health and wellness, right? Working out, treating my body right. Bless my grandmother who's up in heaven, who always said, you know, your body is the most important gift you'll ever be given, right? And it's how you treat it. And, you know, from her reminding me to sit up straight and to eat well, and I know it's making me change my posture a little, um, to swimming in the Cape Cod Bay a mile, like almost every day, like even well into her seventies, it was just amazing what she was able to do. And what she instilled in us as kids about health and wellness and all of that. You know, it's kind of been a tapestry that way. And that's what really made me start my own wellness entrepreneurial world. I was, I owned my own gym. I taught fitness classes for 15 years. And for the last six years, I've been deeply involved with health and wellness. But what I realized throughout all of this is I love sharing messages. I love inspiring. I love empowering. Mm -hmm. And so speaking has always been a common denominator, whether it's speaking at the board table, whether it's speaking, you know, at a PTA meeting with my kids, or whether it's speaking on really big stages now and sharing my message um, was really, really important to me. And so that's, you know, kind of where that passion came out of. And then lastly, and I think a lot of it is things that happen to us, right? Yeah. So out of that, I will say that last year I was brutally assaulted by a complete stranger. It really jolted me. It really took my, you know, I saw what I thought was my last breath or my last, you know, on earth here, you know, at the young age of 42 at the point. And I was like, wow, I was like, how is this like happening? And I decided I had a choice. I had a choice to, you know, back down or be the victim or be the survivor and not just the survivor, but really the thriver and how I could go out and share that message. So I do a lot of work, although it wasn't a domestic assault for me, a lot of women out there who are domestically assaulted can't talk about it. They don't have a voice. And so I do a lot of work and a lot of advocacy in that, that lane too. So that's kind of like my, my little muster of picture and my couple different hats that I wear. There's so much to unpack here. So I love that you've taken each passion or in each thing that happened in your life and created that as your purpose as well. And I think oftentimes, like like you were saying in the beginning, right, like we, we're going to do this one job. Like for me, it's like nursing, you know, and I'm going to create an identity out of it, right? And I think then when things don't go away or that job didn't make us happy anymore or we're not finding the same passion we used to, or maybe we get let go of that job, you know, and I see people struggle, right, with identity. I think it's really assuring to me that you kind of let, you rode the wave of life, right? It sounds like to me that you weren't just stuck in in this one thing and you let this one job create your identity, right? Like you got, you checked the boxes, right? You, you got your degree, you got into your job, but that didn't define you, right? You kept, you kept seeking and you, how did you know who you were in all of that? Or did those circumstances create 
you to become who you are? And did you just ride that wave and let surrender to what happened in life and took it and made it your purpose. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that everything that happens to you is happens for a reason and it doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. All of the things, whether it's like just the passion for health and wellness, you know, that came out of, Hey, listen, I also had a really bad eating disorder, right? When I was in my twenties and that came out of being like, Hey, listen, I don't want to repeat a cycle that has happened in my family. Right. So a lot of, a lot of times what I find that happens to us, especially as we navigate, we get older, we traverse through life. We recognize things that have maybe hurt us or have taken us down or that we've gone down some bad paths. And how can we turn that, you know, gritty side into some glory and maybe be that light for someone else. And for every experience that I shared with you earlier, whether it's helping women climb the corporate ladder in a very male dominated world, or whether that's my health and wellness, or whether that's the assault or, you know, no matter what it's been, it's been, it's come out of some heartache and it's come out of some pain. And so I believe that there, I've always been kind of one of those people that is like, Hey, listen, whatever happens to us, it's what you make of it. But then as I traversed, you know, older and wiser, I guess, is realizing like, what can I do with this? And that those skills can be transferable to so many aspects. And yet they're all woven throughout. And it's that I was willing to follow that passion. I was willing to follow that purpose. And we're not one dimensional creatures, right? We're three dimensional creatures and it's okay to have different dimensions to you. It's okay to wear different hats. And I think especially our generation, we got brought up like watching our grandparents or even our parents, like, you know, you work really hard for 40 years and that's what you do. And then you retire and then you can travel. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's reverse the script a little. And how can we do it in a little bit of a different way? I think, you know, 40 years ago, it was very unstatus quo or whatever to be able to have to two different hustles in life, like a full-time hustle and be a mom and do this and do that. And now it's embraced. And I honestly believe that it makes me better in all of the aspects of the things that I do. Yeah. So let's go into how do you manage it? Like, how do you manage? Is there something in your calendar or is it uh, what does it look like that creates space for you to do all of the things? Because even just one thing, like being a mom, can feel really overwhelming at times, right? So how do you create the space for going after your purpose and your passion? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, it's funny. I have a keynote that's called The Art of Time Blocking. And people ask me that all the time. Like, how do you do everything that you do? But yet it still seems that, like, you go on date night and you go out with your girlfriends and you're showing up to exercise class every morning. Like, how do you manage to fit that all in? Because they're like, I couldn't even do an eighth of that. I'm like, listen, that came with discipline, right? Like, discipline equals freedom. And when you create the discipline in your life to do the things that are important to you and even the things that are hard to get you to that next stage of life, it's crazy the freedom that you can create in your life, um, whether that's time freedom or financial freedom or passion freedom or whatever freedom you want to define. And so for me, what's worked out really well is I've always been a disciplined type person and maybe you're not disciplined and that's okay, right? Like everyone comes in. I know there's people that are way more disciplined than me. I always say be disciplined 80% of your time right? Like don't try to be disciplined hundred percent of your time because inevitably, so you're going to fail on that. It's like trying to like do like a hardcore diet that you're like, you know, you can only eat iceberg lettuce and 
tomatoes. Like, right. It's just not going to work. It's not going to be sustainable. However, find something that you can be sustainable and that you can make work 80% of the time, be consistent with it. But one of the other things that I do every single week is I literally sit down color code my calendar and look at my entire calendar and say, okay, what are the goals that I'm trying to accomplish by Saturday? Right. What are the things I'm trying to get done? So I always have a running to-do list that I look at every single day, add things, subtract them, love crossing things out. Like it could be like, you know, every once in a while I'll throw in one, like feed the dog. Right. So I can just cross something out for the day. Yeah, gotcha. I don't typically <laughs> put that on my to-do list, but mm-hmm. let's face it, it makes you feel good. Um, but have that running to-do list and then also have a calendar and then look at that to-do list. And if there's something that is absolutely necessary, where are you fitting it in? Just like going to a dentist appointment, just like going out with your girlfriends, just like making sure you made time to show up to the school play, defend that time. And if it's, Hey, listen, I'm writing a book and I need to find two hours this week to work on two of my chapters. When are you fitting that in and block it, defend it? Because if you don't defend it, the time will get in up. We all have the exact same 24 hours in the day. It depends on what you want to do with them. Yep, exactly. So, you know, you're you're growing, you're doing all these things, you're checking off your to-do list, right? And then things happen in life. And you have this amazing family and this traumatic event happens last year that you mentioned. This person, this perpetrator, took a piece of your sense of safety, which is like a basic human need. And for some people, like that would be really hard to move forward in life with trust, with feeling safe. What did the steps of healing, and it doesn't mean that you're healed, but like you're still going out there, you're still able to connect with people, you're still living your life, but maybe it didn't start that way. What has that looked like to move through, move forward through life after that event? Mm, love that question. Thanks for asking it and thanks for acknowledging it. And, you know, for any of you who want to know more about it, I'm an open book about it. I actually talk about it very openly and it's actually been part of my healing process. So I appreciate you bringing it up because some people, they don't want to talk about it. But for me, and I tell people, hey, listen, I actually like sharing my story because I think it makes me grow. It makes, helps me. Um, But it was, it knocked me off my feet. And just as a very quick summary, you know, someone I didn't know had um, assaulted four women the night before, raped a woman the morning of my incident, showed up in my work parking lot at 10 a.m. in the middle, like middle of the morning, getting out of my car, a place that I had felt safe for over a decade, right? Beautiful suburbia, Pennsylvania town. And there he was, right? He was standing right there. I went to go open my door and he was between me and the doorway, could not close the door. And I said, sir, can I help you? Proceeded to punch me straight in the face, grab me like a rag doll from the head, throw me to the ground, you know, beat the living, uh, you know, blankety blank out of me. And then, you know, um, proceeded, I bite, I kicked, I screamed, I did everything that I could, that I could, you know, just basic safety, right? Like you go back to Maslow, right? Like the law of like, just, just the basic need that we all need and didn't feel obviously safe in that moment. And then saw his arm come up under my neck and saying, that is my last breath. That's the last time I'm going to say bye to Adeline or Drew. That's the last time that, you know, I'm going to be a wife to my husband and knowing he was in Kansas city at the time, knowing my two kids were home with a babysitter and just, you know, literally milliseconds before he strangled me thinking that was my last moment on on earth. Well, God had a bigger plan for me. And I was so fortunate that, you know, I was able to get on my feet and run for help. He escaped by foot, 
but long story short, that whole story, and I could go on and on about it. I have a TEDx on it and about the art of being resilient, but I had a choice, right? I remember sitting there days after feeling so petrified to leave my house. I felt so petrified who was watching me, where I was, like what was going to happen to me? How was I going to matriculate back into the real world? And it was almost like an inner body experience where I recognized I'm like, I have a choice here. It's not going to be easy, but like anything, getting back on your feet is way easier than staying stuck for a long time. It may be harder initially, but I had a choice and I decided in that pivotal moment, I remember the tears coming down my face, sitting in my backyard under the gazebo and being like, Erica, you have the choice and you have the choice to get back on your feet and to go live life or to live it in like the scarcity mindset. And I was like, I'm going to go out there and do something with this. I'm going to like, I'm going to impact other people. And by impacting other people, you automatically impact yourself because who doesn't want to serve others? You know, and so that really is what what helped me. And it wasn't, I'm not saying everyone has that ability to do that. That was my choice in the stage that I was at. In some of the experiences that I had been through well before this incident had ever happened, but it was a lot of things that I was already doing. I was already working on mindset. I already put a lot of time and effort into my health, right? I already was, this was already a huge part of who I was. And I was like, listen, I'm going to take this and I was going to do something really positive with it. And that was my choice. It's not everyone's choice. And I'm not telling everyone that's the path you need to take, but it's what worked for me. Yeah. I, I, I think that's so important. I think like we try to control every step of our life, right? We try mm-hmm. to know what's going to happen in one year from now, five years from now, but we don't know what's going to happen to us. What we can guarantee in life is that in the next 365 days, like you will have a struggle. Is it going to be on a spectrum? Sure. But like, that's why it's so important to learn how to build that resilience muscle like you're talking about, right? Like that you did, you know, it's almost like, I don't want to say that you were prepared because nobody, nobody is prepared to have something like that happen to them. But what you had been through to that point, like, you know, it sounds like overcoming the eating disorder, like diving into that health and wellness, like you knew after that moment how to get back up. You knew how you knew like, hey, I've been through this. I've been in this male dominated world and empowered women through this. I've, you know, overcome my this eating habit I had and am a really into health and wellness. This has happened to me. This doesn't define me, but I can help other people with it. Right. And I'm, but yet it's a part of me too, right? Like and now it's a part of me and it's only going to help me in other a- aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, to your point, so true. So true. Yeah. And it's all how you really decide to navigate through that. But I think you made a really poignant point. And again, something that I talk about in my TEDx is the audacity to be resilient. And what the theme of that entire talk is, is Hey, listen, we, although they say that only 75% of us as adults are going to go through trauma, in my opinion, every single person goes through some sort of trauma in their life. So we need to prepare ourselves for what that trauma is going to be. And that could be losing a pet. That could be losing a parent. That could be having a child who has a learning disability, whatever that is, like that's a traumatic event and no one's allowed to define your trauma, but you're going to deal with it. So if you can be doing things like working on mindfulness, like 
staying in a positive state, working on your, you know, physical and mental um, health, like it's going to help you get through that easier. And I always say the first cuts the deepest, right? The first time you have a traumatic event, it's going to be a lot harder. I mean, we all remember that first breakup, right? You know, whether that was in like ninth grade and like you thought your life was over and now you look at back and you're like, did I even spend more than like two minutes on it? And I mean, yeah. And, and speaking of that, it's like, it could be something from your childhood too, right? Or it could be something even before that, that was generational trauma that you now carry and you're not even sure why. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, we don't know. And, but what we do know is that as humans, we all share the same emotions, Absolutely. You know, like the scared here, you know, you're feeling scared over here. Yep. And I think, you know, going back to the the childhood, quote unquote, drama or generational trauma, um, you know, and certainly not going to unpack this now, but like, you know, I had my fair share of it. And I will say that a lot of that, um, what I recognized is I had repressed it so much. And now it's gotten, again, I think it happened for me. I talk to a therapist very regularly and I've unpacked a lot of that stuff and it hasn't been easy, but this event, this life-changing event or the assault allowed me to go back and start unpacking some of that. So I'm not carrying that energy so much. Oh my goodness. I love that. Yeah. That, that is exactly what happened to me too. And it's interesting. Like we don't actually realize it, that it's like literally running its cycle in the background in our mind until something like traumatic or something big happens in our life and it brings that up and you're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. I haven't actually dealt with this. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I don't think I would have dealt with it unless this had happened. So then when I say it really happened for me and it was a gift in so many ways, I genuinely mean that. So I think it depends on what pair of glasses you want to put on. You can, again, stay in that victim state or say, hey, what's the good that can come out of this? And that's not an easy switch. I'm not trying to say, hey, that was just a, hey, I got out of the gazebo and I was fine and I knew everything that was going to, like, it's still been twists and turns. But I think if you think about it that way, like, listen, you know, it's going to happen. And when we anticipate that something's going to happen, it makes our reaction to it that much easier. Absolutely. Well, you know, trusting others, especially after something that you've gone through that really challenged your inner safety and security it can be really difficult to get back, right? Like really trusting others. But you have a gift that I've noticed of connecting with other people. And that's kind of how we met too, right? Mm -hmm. So making new connections, especially when trust can be an issue from things that have happened to you, is there something you could tell us that helped you build deeper connections in your own life, whether it was from a long time ago or whether it was since the traumatic event that happened last year? Yeah, I really like that question. You know, I can't say that I have like one thing, but what I've learned, it's funny throughout the last 18 months since the incident, or I guess actually um, 14 months since the incident, is what I've done is not, not been as trustful. I should say, shouldn't be as trustful. Have decided certain relationships don't serve me. And have decided that that level, because that level of trust isn't there, right? Mm -hmm. And been like, hey, listen, it's okay to move on. It's okay not to have that person in my life. And like, Mm -hmm. not, hey, listen, this has to be a nasty breakup. But like, is this relationship serving me? You know, there's a couple instances that I can think of and saying, you know what? Like, I don't have to like call the person and be like, hey, this is over. But I can distance myself enough to say, hey, listen, this isn't an area that I feel as safe or I trust as much. So, and I think doing a lot of journaling, 
you know, a lot of self-reflection of, hey, what what does bring you joy? And like, what does bring you that level of safety? Because at the end of the day, safety is so related to trust. And again, is a primary need that we all as humans need. Um, that level is so important. And to really spend the time with the people that you trust and that reciprocate the trust back to you. Yeah. It sounds like you really learned how to give yourself that permission. Mm. Where before I was like, I was felt like an over people pleaser, right? Like I want everyone to trust me and I want to be friends with everyone. And now I'm like, okay, well, I want to be a little bit more strategic with some of those relationships. Yeah. So is there any advice you can give for people like wanting to have more deeper connections in their life? Mm, Love it. Love it. Um, You know, I think it boils down in such a busy time of life is to really be intentional with that inner circle. And I always say it's like your board of directors, right? Who do you want in that real inner ring and making those connections priority, right? Like putting down the cell phone, making the time to make the connection. It doesn't have to be a long time, right? But like making, you know, maybe it's a a date with your daughter. Like, you know what I mean? Like last night, my daughter and I went and got our toes done, right? Like my son was at uh, football, my husband was coaching. And I was like, you know what? Like just that intentional time with the people that mean the most to you, because at the end of the day, people remember how you made them feel the most, right? People aren't going to remember. They only remember about 7% of what I'm actually even going to say on this podcast, right? But they're going to remember your inflection and how you made them feel and how you showed up. But the words mean a whole lot less and your body language means a lot, you know, in in communication of how you're communicating, how open are you to other people? So just being really intentional with what are those relationships? What are the non-negotiables? And recognizing that you're not going to be everything to everyone. And that's okay. Not everyone's going to like you. And um, I think many times I would almost be more chameleon-like in like my, you know, 10, 20 years ago where I'd be like, well, I'll conform to this where I'm like, no, this is me. This is how I'm going to show up now. Like I'm going to wear the bright pink pants to the board meeting, even though everyone else is in Navy blue and because I'm okay with it. Right. I'm okay. And I'm confident with my, and I think that comes with confidence. I think that comes with time. Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned the date too, because my daughter it was back to school night last night and I get there and they write you like a little note on the thing. And oh her, yes. her note said, do you want to go on a date with me? Yeah, check yes or no. <laughs> oh, my yeah, goodness. yeah, it was so cute. She's like, "Thanks for being a good mom." And then, so of course, I check yes, and so now we're figuring out our our date night. But yeah, I think it's so important, right, to make time to you know, in all of the the busy world that we live in, what matters most is the, building those deeper connections with the people that we love, the people that are you know in our circle that bring us joy, that increase our energy, you know, in those moments. But there's one last thing that I want to just add in there is first and foremost, before you can fuel all of those other relationships, fuel yourself, like to spend that time, be selfish and selfish is sometimes looked at as such a negative word. Yet if you're not selfish and you're not okay yourself, I don't care what other relationship you have in your life, you are not going to be able to fuel it at the level that you want to fuel it without taking your own self-care, right? So yeah, you can go on your date with your daughter. Yeah, you can go on a date with your husband, but if you're not taking time to fuel yourself, and I noticed that even the other day, it was funny, my, my husband and I had a meeting and someone was at our house and 
we were trying to finish up and we knew it was going to run over a little. And I knew he was trying to get to the gym. And I literally like looked at him. And I said, go to the gym. You're going to feel so much better. And in the past, I'd be like, no, you should stay here because this is more important for the family and the thing that we're working on. And we're doing this renovation, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I now recognize it for other people who were really important to me because I recognize that if they take that self-care, they're going to, they're going to show up better for me. Right. And my husband will do the same with me. Like go to the gym. You're driving me nuts now. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Like when I first started therapy, it's funny you say that is the first thing we worked on, she'd write self-abandonment on the board. And it was all about like figuring out like, yeah, Jill, like who are you? Like, what are your needs? Like, what do you like to do? Because everything gets so focused on like your to-do list or what other people need that you abandon yourself in the process. Yes. Yes. And then you're no good to anything else. And, you know, my mom always said, first comes yourself, then comes your family, and then comes your career, your job, your passions and everything else. Because if the two first things aren't okay, you're never going to be able to show up for those passions and purpose. And sometimes I have turn that triangle around. I'm like, well, if I just put all my time into being successful and doing this and doing that, but I'm abandoning myself or abandoning my health or abandoning like, and when I say abandoning, I don't mean that to the nth degree. Like I'm moving out and like telling my kids to fend for themselves, but everyone gets like the concept. How am I going to show up for all those other things? Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So how, how do you like to show up for yourself? Hmm. Authentically, you know, in every day, I'm like, what's going to matter to me most when in the past I'd be like, okay, how is this going to look to everyone else? And kind of going back to the pink pants example, walking into the boardroom being like, oh, I wonder what John's going to think of that. Like as you know what I mean? This, the C-level executive. And now I'm like, listen, if I'm showing up and I feel confident, that's what matters most. And if I'm authentic to myself, I'm going to ultimately produce better. And I think so at the end of the day, like if you can show up with authenticity and with sincerity uh, and build that trust with the people in that inner circle that I spoke of, your board of directors, you're golden. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that I think knowing who we are and loving who we are, it just opens us up to those being able to love other people, connecting with other people. And I think that's our greatest gift we can give ourselves is just knowing who we are and loving that person. A hundred percent. And I also think on the flip side of that, like being willing to notice that in other people too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. cause if like going back to that lifting as we rise, if you can bring other people up with you, like there's, there's something that's so serving um, and I, it's like a mentor mentee relationship, right? Like someone's like, oh, well, the mentee's getting so much from the mentor. And I'm like, listen, I get just as much. And even if it's not that official title, right. From, from helping other people. Yeah. It's so fun. And I think that we learn a lot in that way too mm-hmm. about ourselves. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I've learned a lot from people who have been, you know, more skilled, less skilled, younger, older, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. than me and, uh, just don't, don't, don't categorize and be like, ah, well, there's nothing that's going to come out of that relationship. Yeah. So if there was somebody listening that is like feeling like, well, I'm not super happy with my, what I'm doing right now, but I'm, I'm scared to really follow this passion of mine. What advice would you give them? I would ask yourself to take a long, hard look and write what you think your life's going to look like five years or 10 years from now. And I always say, ask yourself the question, is this going to bother me five five hours from now? 
five days from now, five months from now, or five years from now. And if it's going to bother you five years from now that you didn't make the decision, then you need to act upon it. If it's just a whim and you're like, you know, now it's actually just kind of like a fad right now or something that I think I want to do, then, you know, don't, don't put all that time and energy into it. But if you're going to wake up and feel like you're going to regret it, if you don't do it, go after it, like, and find other people that have already done that. Like, I will tell you, there are so many people that have helped me through my journey. And they've been people that like, as I'm, as I'm doing more speaking, right. I have gone to so many people that I've met randomly on Instagram. I've met randomly here. And I've been like, what do you do? How do you get speaking gigs? How did you do your reels? How did you do this? And like, they're willing to give you that advice, right? Not everyone, but most people, they want you to grow too, right? Like they're in an abundant mindset and they want to be your mentor because they were, they were mentored by someone else. Yeah. I I think that's what life is about. It's so awesome. It's really a legacy, right? You Mm -hmm. know, to be able to, 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 to give back that way, but also find other people that are willing to help you and, So for someone that's listening to this, that has this burning desire, has this passion or knows that they're supposed to do something, take the four letter F word out of it. And that's fear. Like stop, like just remove that from your vocabulary, like remove the what if, what if it goes wrong? What if I fail? Right. Just keep asking yourself every time you get into that negative self-talk, what if it goes right? What if I win? What if this changes my life? What if it changes my financial future? What if, what if, what if, but turn it into a positive question versus a negative question, reverse the triangle, right? Like reverse your thinking. And every time I find myself, because we both get there, we all get there, right? I have to do it to myself. And it's almost, it's become now like a self-check. When I start talking that way to myself, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I ask myself, I say, in five hours from now, when I wake up tomorrow morning, is this going to even bother me anymore? And if it's not, why am I spending any more time on it? Good question. Right? So, but for some of you who are just on that cusp of like something great and it's this burning desire in you, like just start doing it. And a little bit every day, it's a, and put some goals to yourself. Like I always say, like when I want to do something, like tell someone else because you're 42% more likely to make it happen. Then you, um, I'm sorry, when you write it down, you're 42% more likely for it to happen. Okay. I want to write it down, right? I want to write a book. Now, I want to write a book. I'm going to tell Jillian I want to write a book, right? Now I think my odds go up to 67% more likely. Guys, That all you did was write one sentence and tell one person and your odds just went up by two thirds. Like it's a no brainer to me. So I really believe in the power of manifestation and the power of writing it down, the power of speaking it into being like it already happened. When I say, hey, listen, I'm going to be, I remember being at a conference last year and I said, I'm going to be a keynote speaker at that conference. Guess what? This week, I just announced that I'm the keynote speaker at that conference. I spoke it into being, I believed it, I thought about it, right? And that's not all I did, right? I reached out to the organizer. I was persistent about it. Like it definitely took work and now it's going to be even more work because now I got to figure out what this whole dog and pony show is going to look like. But I was willing to like literally feel it in my being before it even happened. And I think that too, like writing it down and then taking those steps, it really just lights this fire inside of us, right? Like, and I call that restarting your heart, right? Like give yourself back that fire, that purpose, that passion. And so you can feel fulfilled in your life. You can feel that sense of joy and accomplishment and satisfaction, all these positive emotions that we all need in life to increase our resilience, to get rid of the negative, to 
feel like we can do it all, right? Like you consistently recharge your inner battery by a, by checking off your to-do list, by spending time with the people you love. Like it's so important by by mentoring other women. It's beautiful. It's a, it's amazing. And but everyone's gonna be fueled different ways. Like some people mm-hmm. it's exactly reading yeah. a book. And so find your fuel. And I always mm-hmm. say that. Like I find my fuel from other people, but I also recognize the older I get, I need quiet time too. Yep. I need just me time, like where there's no noise and no hover and no treadmill and no like, you know, so find your time too. Yeah. Find those things that give you those positive emotions, confidence, satisfaction, peace, calm, all of those. So yep. good. Easier said than done most days. Like we said, it's busy moms, entrepreneurs, like juggling a lot of different things. But going back to the point that I made earlier is finding the calendar. And if it means, hey, listen, part of your recharging of your battery is finding 15 minutes to take that bubble bath every day, put it on your calendar, right? When is it going to happen? And make make it happen because you know that's going to make you show up better in the other 23 hours of your day. 100%. I'm so glad you came on. I'm so glad that you have given us your heart and your insights. How can people connect with you from here? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram and Facebook are primarily where I where I um, stand, but I also have a website, www.erica Rothenberger, first and last name, Erica with a K, R-O-T-H-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. And uh, you can find me with that name on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. I'm an open book. If I can serve you in any way, I'm always, always willing to do so. Yes. And you can find this also in the show notes. Erica's story not only highlights her ability to challenge industry norms and inspire leadership, but also underscores the immense strength required to move forward after anything in our life. Erica's resilience and advocacy are a testament to the power of turning adversity into positive change, restarting our hearts, and still living the life we are meant to live. Thanks for joining us on Life Without Secrets. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.